What's going on, Flyer fans? Welcome to another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm your host, Angry Jim. Here, as always, with my co-host, Jack Smith. Jack, how you doing tonight? I'm doing a little bit better after last night, Jimmy. Wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I guess I'm okay. Hey, win's a win, man. Feels good. Um, we have a special guest tonight. Tom Fody of Sons of Pan is joining us. Tom, how are you? I'm doing well, Angry Jim. How are you? <laughs> I'm not so angry today. You know, the day after a Flyers win always feels good. Uh, it was kind of a revenge game. The Canucks, I think, beat them up the last time they played. Or it was it, when the Flyers first started out. They had that Western Canada trip, wasn't it? And, and they had a tough time beating Jacob Markstrom. They came yeah, back they last had... night. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Tom. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, they had a tough time in the first two periods, and uh, they had a real, real tough time getting going against Vancouver. And then that third period, they came out like rabid dogs. And if uh, memory serves me correct, the Flyers lost in the shootout, but. I remember a lot of people were at least content that, look, we looked like we looked totally awful for two periods and then came out and like jumped all over him in the third. So uh, we finally finished the job last night. We being a, a very loosely uh, loose term right there. <laughs> That's kind of I mean, besides like the first two periods not being uh, not playing their best. Uh, it's kind of encouraging to hear they came out in the third and finally finished off a game in regulation. Jack, we've been talking about. Uh, how it's been tough for them to come out and finish games in regulation. Uh, obviously, with so many of these games going to overtime and shootouts. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, last night. For guys like me who didn't have the chance to watch, what did you kind of see from the team last night? Um, I mean, their defensive play was almost flawless. I believe they gave up like 16, 17 shots. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of premium shots. Maybe a little early on, Pedersen had a decent opportunity and missed the net. Uh, but for the most part, they really limited Vancouver to much of anything. Uh, it's honestly, it's been it was a game I hadn't seen much of at all. They actually gave up the first goal, but then they came back and they didn't give up a goal after that. So they didn't blow any leads. They kind of came back and they really shut Vancouver down. Like they, the time of possession has to be heavily in favor of Philly. And um, I don't even think they're on the power play all that much either. I think they just handled it and. They talked about Vancouver's power play being pretty strong with, you know, um, what they call now the better Hughes. And, what uh, Quinn, and Quinn Hughes, Quinn uh, Hughes, quarterback in that power play with Bessier and Pedersen and names like that. And I don't even know if they got many shots off. I believe they gave up 16 shots in the final two periods. Wow. Like, or You know what? Actually, it may have been eight. I think it was eight. It was like four and four they gave up in each period. That's in, that's ridiculous, especially because Vancouver pulled the goalie to try to force overtime. But do have to take away one negative from that game, and they they got to bury some chances. For how 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 lopsided the shots were, they can't be. Yeah, it's like they dominated, but they still snuck out the victory. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've been seeing that for for you know a decent portion of the year so far. Tom, do you have anything you wanted to add in there? This had to be, off the top of my head, this has to be, have been one of Sean Couturier's best games of the season. He was just an absolute beast on the puck. I was looking at some of the advanced stats last night, and he did not allow a single shot against wow. Elias Pettersson. Absolutely dominated one of the more electric players in the NHL. And it seems like anyone who goes on Couturier and Limblom's line automatically either gets themselves out of a slump or they're just finding themselves with a puck on their stick constantly. It's a pleasure to watch Sean Couturier play hockey. 
You know, I love that you brought up Coots. I mean, he, he started out, you know, with guys like Konechny and uh, Lindblom. They kind of got out to a really hot start. And, you know, we've seen it kind of continue. Coots kind of got off to a slower start. You know, we weren't really talking about him in the beginning of the year. But he, he's steadily he's, – he's been the probably the most consistent part of this team defensively and offensively. Uh, and that's what you need out of a, a number one center, I think, like Sean Couturier. Um, Jack, what did you see out of Coots last night, man? Yeah, I, you said it perfectly. Yeah, he just, especially on that first goal, looked like a little bit of a mad scramble, but he was able to get the puck and fire it home to tie the game. Um, and speaking of players that coming out of slumps, you know, I, I hate to admit this. It's painful <laughs> for me, but Jake Voracek had a good game. I mean, he had an assist on that goal. And as you said, he found this puck on his stick. His goal, his game-winning goal, was an absolute sniper of a shot. Like, I was, it looked beautiful. I'm just, I can't, still don't even know how he did it. So, like, offensively with those guys, especially Jake, uh, they looked great. They looked like they were doing everything. Uh, even Jake I saw get back and play a little defense, which, again, is a lot for me to admit. But Couturier wow. is, is what makes the team go. He's their little engine, like, you know. And they got the goaltending they needed, and yeah, they they looked they didn't they look like a team that they never win those kind of games. They're either the team that loses that kind of game, or they're just never in those kind of games. The only thing that looks very Flyers reminiscent is not being able to finish on all these chances. They didn't have a lot of premium chances, but they had a lot of shots. So I mean, hey, you dominated the game and you won. I can't complain too much. And yeah, Coots is like probably our best player, so he's just proven it right there. I, I love talking about Sean, Sean Couturier because there was a time where, and I know he was young, where I'm like, huh, is he going to be our third line center forever? Is he going to max out 40, 50 points? Is he going to be that kind of player, whatever? And he's a perennial Selkie Trophy candidate every single year now, I feel like, you know. Uh, hopefully this is the year he wins it. I feel like he's underappreciated a little bit around the league, maybe because the Flyers haven't been uh, as good as we as some of these other guy, teams that have won, like Andre Kopitar and uh, Patrice Bergeron. I mean, those guys have been around forever. Both of those teams have won cups in the last 10 years. So I, I guess that carries some weight. But it, it's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun seeing Sean Couturier develop. And he's, he's kind of like that quiet leader, that quiet, consistent leader. I think it's very important to a, to a hockey team, especially a young team like the Flyers have. You know, he could emerge as that leader that, uh, on past episodes, I've said the Flyers need one more guy. Like, uh, like they have Claude Giroux, obviously, as the captain. Jake Board, check out, you know, without, we're not in the locker room. So uh, I, I don't really know. But he, I'm just not sure he's the, the kind of leader that I'd want on a team. And, Tom, I know you're a, a Voracek guy, so I'll let you comment in a second about Jake Voracek. But um, I, I think Couturier is absolutely that other leader that I think needs, that is stepping up. And uh, is going to help this team not only this year, but obviously for, for years to come. Now, Jack, you mentioned Jake Voracek, who scored a goal, I think it was over the weekend against the Flames. The Flyers ended up losing in a, a shootout. Tough luck loss. You know, it was disappointing. Um, but the way the Flames tied the game, it was, it's almost, it was almost hard for me to get upset, you know, on a fluke goal like that. Uh, and then to lose the game in a shootout. But Voracek scored. Uh, it was a dirty goal, which, you know, is okay for, for when a guy... Uh, is struggling the way Jake Voracek was struggling. I'll take any goal that I can get from him. Uh, scored a dirty goal. Uh, my hope was that, you know, he kind of gets off the schneid a little bit. He gets, you know, he gets that confident feeling back. Like, okay, I put one in the back of the net. Uh, comes back last night, and, and you guys are telling me he's play, he played a hell of a game. Tom, 
What did you see from Jake Voracek last night? Well, Jake actually summed it up perfectly after the game. He got his swagger back. <laughs> and when Jake Voracek has got his swagger going, his uh, his blank you attitude, as as he so eloquently put it in the post game, he is a menace on the ice, and he's a tough, tough player to play against. And one of the things I immediately noticed about Jake Voracek when he arrived via the trade all those years ago is I was really, really taken back by how well he protected the puck. It reminded me a lot of uh, of Yaramir Yager. And Yager was a guy who could just ragdoll someone who was trying to take the puck off of his stick. And Voracek reminded me of a little bit of Yager, uh, not because they're both Czech players, both from the same uh, town in Czech Republic, uh, but because of their puck protection skills. And when you see Jake on his game and playing with a little bit of swagger, playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you see that puck protection. You see that that aggressiveness and that assertiveness that makes him the the eighty the multi-80-point uh, player that we've seen in the past. It's just, I will fully admit, he can be an infuriating player to watch from time to time. That's probably going to earn me a block right there. But <laughs> he, he does listen. He he is a guy when he's on his game and he's feeling it, he is really, really tough to play against. And I saw that from Jake last night. And I hope that this is him turning that corner. Because if this team is gonna is gonna go anywhere, they need the vets like Jake to get going and start putting the puck in the net. Absolutely. I mean Jack do you agree with everything uh, Tom just said about Voracek? I know like in the past we've we've had Voracek talks and they definitely haven't been as positive as you know, Tom was just right there. I mean, what did you see last night? Could it be turning a corner for him? Are you ready to trust him yet or, or what? Well, first, going back to the goal he scored uh, against the Flames, I was, because I've been so hard on him, kind of rightfully so, uh, I was not impressed. Yeah, it's a gritty goal, but I was like, ah, it's whatever. It was a wide open net. I'm glad he was there, but I'm not impressed. He still sucks. <laughs> maybe, maybe it did open the floodgates for him a bit. Because that, obviously, last night, that was the best goal I think I've seen all season by anybody, at least on the Flyers. Like, that looked fantastic. Um, and, he, yeah, I mean, this guy is the number two paid guy on the team for a reason. Like, when this team, when he's playing well, I mean, forever it was him and Giroux. So if he can get going again, like, it's their team. Everybody else is just was supposed to be added to help them, you know, take the next step. And with him, it's part of the reason why he gets so much criticism. You know, it's, he, it's him and Giroux, but Giroux always comes around. Jake's points seem to be there, but you never see him making the big play when you need to. Last night's game, we've already talked about everything he's done. He, it's like everything he can do, he was doing. He was doing everything extra, just zone entry and dishing out the puck to somebody open instead of having to dump and chase, which they're still doing. But, you know, he just looks stronger on the boards. He looks stronger with the puck. Like, if he can play like that more consistently, swagger or not, like the team's going to be so much better. We're going to be looking at two, maybe even three good lines. So I really like our fourth line, and we'll figure out JVR later. Uh-huh. But like, you know, with Frost. I don't know, I don't know if we can um, figure him out, to tell you the truth. Keep right, going. Well, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, I mean, then we can get into that. The goal <laughs> scores are so streaky. It's, you know. But, you know, Jake's not being paid to be a goal scorer. He's being paid to do a little bit of everything, hence the length of the deal and the money. And we hadn't seen much of anything at all. And it was, it's. I think that's why he takes so much criticism. And to see him come out of his shell a little bit and do what we're used to him doing, it was. It made me feel better about the season. Yeah, it's only one game, but hey, maybe they can build on this. Maybe they can do something. They also 
you know, held on to a lead in a tight game. So, and against a team that's kind of had their number, though, if you look back the last couple of times they played them. So it was definitely good to see that, especially after coming off how angry I was over the Flames win. It seemed the only team they could beat was Calgary, at least in uh, regulation. Or, I'm sorry, Carolina. Uh, and going back to that was our whole string of all these shootouts in overtime. So it was a nice regulation win against a team not named Carolina Hurricanes. And they... They look good. Like, that's all I can say. And now coming into this week, we've got three games coming up. We, they should win. I, I don't think they win all of them, but they should win all of them. So uh, Jake's going to be a big part of them turning into a playoff team contender and not just a bubble. <clears throat> so let me ask, um, because, you know, I think part of in Jake's comments, he commented on playing with a guy like Sean Couturier. And, you know, it seems whoever's, lined up with Coots this year, ends up producing and, and playing well. Um, in a guy like Jake Voracek's case, you know, where, you know, maybe he hasn't exactly earned the uh, the playing time or, or the, uh, you know, the line time with Coots. And uh, who, who played on the left side? Was it Lindblom? Did Lindblom play on that line with those two guys? I believe so. He and, he and uh, Couturier have been a pair this year. I'll yeah. go back and just to confirm that, but I'm 99.9% sure Lindblom was on the other flank. Yeah, they look really well together. So it's almost like I'm looking at if you're playing on that line, you're being rewarded. But in, in Jake's case, you know, I'm not sure we've seen the play that, you know, deemed him to be able to play on that line. But having said that, if it's going to help a guy of Jake Voracek's stature start to produce, by all means, put him on that line. Because I, I think we're seeing Travis Konechny can play with Claude Giroux and uh, and Morgan Frost so far. Um, who who else am I missing? Who was playing on that line the, last week? Was it Farabee? Farabee looks like he's he's getting beat up a little bit. But I, I would say if if playing with Coots and Lindblom is going to get Jake Voracek producing and scoring some goals and getting his little swagger back or whatever, then by all means, because they they need a guy like Jake Voracek to produce. Tom, I love that you said. Uh, he reminded you of Yager. I used to call him Baby Yags when when he first came to the Flyers, because just because the way he shielded the puck, like when Yarmir Yager had the puck, you couldn't take it from him. He he made himself big, and it was impossible to take the puck from him. Uh, and Voracek, when his first season or two, when he, while he was here, I'm like, this is this is like, he's not a Yager, but he's got Yager qualities. You know, you know what I mean. So I guess seeing that and not seeing it consistently, or or hardly ever anymore is part of where my frustration with Jake Voracek comes from. And then of course, all the outside stuff, you know, if we want to bring up his comments from last night a little bit, he, he mentioned, uh, you know, he's playing with that FU attitude or whatever. Like, where's that been? Like where, where, where was that? I mean, I'm assuming playing under a guy like Dave Hextall and, and maybe, uh, you know, Ron Hextall for a couple of years can, can take a little bit out of you. You know, as far as drive and motivation, playing with some of the scum that you were playing with the last four years and Weiss and Laterra. But I mean, it's I so I can understand that a little bit, I guess, is what I'm saying. So now it's kind of like, dude, you're one of the top do- top dogs on this team. Obviously, one of the highest paid players like uh, we're 25 games in. Where has it been? I mean, I'm glad it's here finally. So, you know, on those comments, Jack, what did you think about those comments by Jake Voracek? You know, a lot of things that Jake say goes in one ear and out the other for me. But this this one, I guess, I guess because he was in a better mood. And 
I'm happy. I'm glad. Maybe this is a sign of him playing. You know, maybe he's not pressing so much, and we can see some of the Jake that we paid for. Um, I guess his fu attitude it never left. I mean, he just gave it to the fans and whoever pissed him <laughs> off and blocked people on Twitter. You know, so I mean, whatever gets him his little engine going, I could really care less. I'm not ready to let him off the hook yet. This team is notoriously like they'll give you three good games and then four bad games, or they'll bounce back and forth. So if they can be more consistent, and especially Jake, that's then yeah, then I'll come around. But right now, it, it's just it's just slip service to me. <laughs> Tom, anything you want to add there? Kind of addressing like Jake's got his swagger back. I think part of it is some of the guys and Voracek might be one of those guys who's, who was adjusting to the new system. And maybe he felt like he was losing his way. He might've been overthinking things and that caused his confidence to drop. And we weren't seeing that, that same one. I know that excuse doesn't carry into his other inconsistencies because he has dropped off where he's been completely invisible some games. Uh, But this year, maybe he was just overthinking himself and you kind of lose your way a little bit. And to get on a line with Sean Couturier, I'm not saying that Sean Couturier is a cure for all, but this year it seems to be that, hey, if you're slumping, put number 14 uh, next to you and you're going to break out of it or at least start getting some chances. But circling back to to Voracek, I think with him getting his swagger back and finally feeling confident in himself, because as we're seeing with uh, with Carter Hart and uh, and the sports psychology thing that he devotes himself so much to, the game is so much a mental thing as it is uh, as it is a physical thing. And with Voracek, maybe he's got to figure out a way to stay mentally on top of his game and mentally continue to have that swagger and continue to have that chip on his shoulder, even if things aren't going his way. Uh, maybe this was this was a, a turning point for him where he realizes maybe a little bit later in his career, okay, this is what I got to do. I'm a good player. Just trust what I'm doing and stop forcing so many plays. And I think when you see Jake thinking less and you see any player thinking less, uh, thinking less, not overthinking the game and just sticking to what got them to where they were, you see the potential and you see the play and you see the production that – we know that they're capable of. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting, because you brought up the uh, psychological parts of the game there, is when Chuck Fle- Chuck Fletcher introduced Elaine Vigneault, uh, he introduced him, and he, he mentioned that he wanted to change the mindset of some of the players on the team. And you know what? It, what we're seeing right now with guys like Voracek and uh, Shane Gossespierre and even JVR is we're seeing that take place in front of our eyes. He's actively trying to break the old mindset with some of these players and some of the older players, which, you know, the old saying, it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks. And, you know, when, when you're, when you have the same mindset for four years, it's going to take a little bit of time to break. And Vigneault's only been here since, you know, I think six months or something like that by now, but you know, he's only been practicing and, and, pl- and seeing these players since, uh, I want to say, August, September. So everything's fairly new. We're about a quarter of the way into the season. If Jake is now going to start breaking out of those old habits, I'm perfectly fine with that. Because 25 games is a lot, but it's it's better than 50. It's better than 40. So it's good to see Jake show some signs of life. Uh, even though, you know, you could take those comments anyway. They sound kind of like alpha dog comments. And... I'm okay with that. 
I want to see a little bit of swag. If, if you're going to talk, you know, for me, if I'm going to say something, that's extra extra motivation for me to, to go and back it up. So we'll see if he takes that and runs with it. Uh, Jack, do you have anything to add on before I move on to Carter Hart here? No, that's good. Let's talk about Hart. Okay, so, Tom, you brought up uh, Carter Hart. I have a quick stat right here because, you know, with everything going on, uh, and, and I think here in Philadelphia also, if the goalie's not making fantastic highlight real saves, we kind of forget to talk about him a little bit, you know, because um, we just expect them to do well, as crazy as that seems since we've never seemed to have a goalie. But I have a, a quick stat here from Jamie Basco on Twitter. Uh, Carter Hart continues his tear during the month of November. He is now 5-2-2, two two, has a 2.05 goals against average, uh, 0.921 save percentage. Lights out as he has saved 211 shots on 229 shots faced in 14 games played. That's pretty damn good from our phenom goalie there. What do you think? It's great to see that Carter went through that little bit of a slump uh, in October, and he was really has bounced back. And he and he went back to being the goalie that we all knew he could be. And one of the big things that you can kind of see with goalies is their mental aspect. It might not be something that you can see directly on the ice, but in those tough games where maybe it's a five to four game, they've let up a couple bad ones, uh, but they make that one big save to change the momentum of the game or to keep their team in the game or to preserve that lead. And you saw a little bit of that last night when I don't know how Hart prefers to get into the rhythm of the game, but I remember, I think it was Steve Mason, uh, I know bringing up a name from the past. He liked to see a lot of shots to get himself into a rhythm of the game. I'm not sure if Hart's the same way, but um, the point I'm getting to is that Hart didn't see a lot of action last night in terms of shots, but he had to make one big key save, and it was right at the end there when Vancouver was pressing to tie that game. And I believe it was right on the doorstep and he made a great save to to keep uh, to preserve the win and keep a win in regulation. And it's it really is. Um, Hart is not someone that you're going to see a lot on the high on the highlight reel because he just he's so economic with his movements. He's always nine times out of ten he's square to the puck and he just swallows it right into his breadbasket or right into his chest. And you're not going to notice him all that much because he's always he's so great in his hockey sense and how he anticipates to play. Now, you also got a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's going to make diving save after diving save. Hey, whatever it takes to keep the puck out of the net, I'm all for it. But it's great to see that Hart has gotten back to his his normal self. Yeah, awesome point right there. Like, he's not a type of goalie that's going to make the highlight real saves night in and night out because he's always in position. Uh, Jack, your thoughts on, on Carter Hart in the month of November? No, it's funny that you say that because he's, yeah, the one thing I always say about Hardy, he's so positionally sound that he's going to find himself getting out of funks because just by being positionally good, you eliminate some, you know, any of those bad goals just off of something stupid. I mean, I remember it's a shame to bring this up now, but like that game um, where he got pulled and he gave up four goals and that one goal went off his helmet, that had Steve Mason written all over it. And I think that's an anomaly for Carter Hart. You know, and it's so good to see him have a good game. And I, I did think about the the low shots attempts. Like Briskoloff was another goalie who was like, oh, "I like to see the shots," and we saw what happened there. And I didn't know how Hart was going to be, but I figured because he is positionally good, it wouldn't 
it's only been one game. I really don't know that I've seen this little shots against him. But like you said, right at the end of the game, he made a fantastic save to keep that keep that lead and close out the game. I mean, after the save, there was only like 17 seconds left, but they could have just as easily forced yet another overtime. And what kills me about it, people, the second Hart has a mediocre game, he gets killed, especially on Twitter. It is toxic. Like, in, in this Flyers defense, up until last game, they had been giving up premium chances. Some result in goals. Sometimes he stops and got on a breakaway. But nobody remembers that. And they just kill him for for his – and he does need to work on his rebound control. But goalies give up rebounds. Like, come on, it's a thing. So I just can't stand how people are so quick to team up on him and get on him when you can see our goaltending has been as good as it has been since 2014. You know, I mean, since Steve Mason had one really good year with the Flyers. That's the year I'm missing, basically. And it's been and it's been both goalies, but it's great to see Carter is 21 years old. Yeah. Not a lot of goalies are playing in the NHL doing it at 21 years old. And everybody's so quick to get on him, it blows my mind. They don't know what they have in this kid, and that's why I I come to his defense within a second. Am I happy with his play all the time? Of course not. But what what goalie from the day he's a rookie to the day he retires? has been stone-cold, fantastic, phenomenal with no ifs, ands, buts about it. And don't say nothing about Brodeur. They build a whole friggin' defense <laughs> around him. So I don't want to hear that. Hear Scott Stevens, Rob Scott, Niedemeyer, those guys? Yes, I don't want to hear that. Well, I think part of it, it's the fishbowl lens that hockey is a very regional type of sport where uh, you have your you have your – fans who watch the entire league and and pay attention to, to other players around the league. But for the most part, from my observations at least, fans are very centered on their team. Flyers fans watch the Flyers. Canadians fans watch the Canadians, so on and so forth. And you kind of can get into, again, that fishbowl lens of this doesn't happen anywhere else. Oh, the like good teams don't blow don't blow leads in the third period. Well, like a couple nights, I think the Flyers blew like a two or three goal lead. Like a, the night before, the Bruins blew a four goal lead. Like it happens. It's an 82 game season. You go and look at the best goaltenders of all time. I think I went back uh, a few years ago and looked at Braden Holpe's month to month stats, Henrik Lundqvist's month to month stats. You look at any premier goaltender in the league, Jonathan Quick, I think I looked at too. Any premier goalie in the league is going to hit a slump, is going to have a bad month. The the big thing that separates the good from the great is how they bounce back. How quickly do they bounce back and how consistently do they play at a high level and how quickly they get out of their funks. And I think Carter Hart is going to become one of the premier goalies in the league because he's able to quickly bounce back and because he's already, as a 21-year-old kid, he's very in touch with the mental side of the game. And if he goes and gives up four goals in, in a game, guess what? He's going to walk right up to the coach and say, I want the next one. He's not deterred. That's the biggest positive I can probably say about Carter Hart is that you can have all the skill in the world, but if you're not mentally capable of handling the, the drawbacks and the adversities of this league, this league will crush you and will never let you back up. And Hart has already shown at a very young age he's capable of not only getting up, but fighting back as well. Excellent points there, Tom. Uh, Jack, 
if you see anybody uh, bashing Carter Hart on Twitter, just just tag me in it. Because he, he's just when I look at Carter Hart, I just see like a little puppy, uh, like a little <laughs> a little puppy with a mustache now. But dude, just just tag me because I just I love that kid. Like uh, he could do no wrong in my eyes. I mean, a couple weeks ago he had me a little bit worried. I'm like, all right, sophomore slump season. This is gonna be a long year, isn't it? But dude, he's been rock solid. Like and like quietly rock solid. Like like. He's raised his goals against, uh, I'm sorry, save percentage, 36 points this month from 864 to uh, to a 900. Um, he's only allowed over two goals twice since allowing five uh, on the October 27th. Again, that was the Islander game. So only twice, in the, and once was the game he got pulled against Florida. The other one was the 4-3 shootout win over the Devils. Um, dude, he's the real deal. I have no complaints with Carter Hart. Uh I do have complaints about the offense because in the games where, uh, I mean, they lost four games this year. I mean, I'm sorry, four games this month where he only gave up two goals in, in each game. So it's like, you know, give this kid some help. And I think, I think they'll figure it out. I hope, um, a part, a guy who can help this team, I think, figure it out. And I'm going to move on a little bit here. Jack, do you have anything to add on Carter Hart before I move on to ghosty ghost? No, uh, I think we said it all. I mean, he's good, and anybody who says he doesn't, I kind of agree with uh, with what you said about the uh, fishbowl lens. Like, we're not allowed to have good goaltending here, so the second he gives up a goal, they're all <laughs> over him. You know, and they're just like, oh, see, told you, told you. you know, no, no, uh, I, ha- I have people make comments like that who don't really follow hockey. Oh, well, will there ever be a good goalie allowed in Philly? Like, really? It's freaking 21 like, years old. That's that's all I'm saying. It's it's uneducated bullshit. So, um, yeah, I think we nailed it. Stay the course, and you'll see. Yeah. So let's talk about the one and only Shane Gostas Beher real quick. Um, you know uh, this guy, man. So I'm gonna bring up some comments for you guys. I have it brought up here. Uh, we could talk about his comments first before we kind of get into his play a little bit. Um, these are quotes that he, he apparently gave the media. I'm, I'm using Bill Meltzer's here. Um, so ghost, um, mentally when you're playing with a lot of crap in your mind and you've got a lot of confidence issues, it's harder to make plays and adapt. I've just got to realize how good a player I am and that players like me don't grow on trees. I have to get back to that. So before I get to the next quote here, uh, Tom, give me your thoughts and and opinions on, on that, uh, quote by ghost. I think there's a lot of ways to read into this. And probably the big thing that's going to make the most noise is that one line. Uh, I know that players like me don't grow on trees. And I don't I don't read into that too much. I think I see that as a player who recognizes that he's a very unique skill set. And you don't really get to the professional level without having some kind of idea that you're pretty darn good at what you do. And as as much as we love and adore Carter Hart, I'm sure deep down in Carter's mind, he knows I'm really good at this. And you have that confidence and you have a little bit of that that swagger to you. And I think you're you are seeing that it that it is a mental thing with ghosts that he's that he's pressing a little bit and he's probably feeling the pressure of last year because he knows that last year wasn't up to his standards. And he might be trying to force his way back in to the player that he knows that he's becoming. And it's like quicksand. The harder he's fighting, the more the more he's sinking and sinking. And Vino had has said that this is a little bit of a reset for him. Scratch him for a couple games, 
let him get out of the get out of a game or two, let him watch, and then he comes back with a little bit of a fresher mindset. I'm not reading much into them. I think it's good that Gossip Bear is acknowledging that it's a it's it's a mental part of the game, but but then again, players are never going to admit that they're hurt. But I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that Ghost will find his game. But he still has to he still needs to show that he is the the player from his rookie year and that he is the 60 plus point player that we saw from a couple years ago. Yeah, and I, I think he can be. We know that he has the potential because he did it, right? I mean, once you do something, you automatically set the standard. I mean, for a lot of people, and myself included, because it's part of the reason why I get so frustrated watching him play, is because he set the standard so high that one year. Um, what I think he had the opportunity to do this year was kind of come out and kind of erase everything. Anything that he's learned the last three, four years, anything, you know, any any BS that he's run into with the old coaching staff or some of the old players, even the players on the roster, it's time to reset. Now you got a new coach, learn his way and get going. And before I, I finish my point there, Jack, I want to get your thoughts before, um, you know, we get too far away from that quote. What'd you think about that quote? Uh, I actually agree with Tom. I, I don't think he said anything to sound like a jerk or anything like that. He he is a unique type of defenseman, and they don't go on trees. 60 points. You know, you score 60 points, people start throwing, like, comparing you with Carlson. Like, that's the kind of uh, – you draw that attention. And I think everything we just said about him is why we all would pause about treating him. Because a uh, change of scenery would probably be even better for him than a reset, and we know he would de- he would turn into a very good defense offensive defenseman again. That's the kind of thing that happens to us. We'd have another you know Patrick Sharp on our hands or something like that, and it, it's it's a shame because you don't want to do anything. You want to see him you know break out of it. Um, I, I don't think anything he said was bad. I, I I agree with him actually. If anything, I just want to see him break out of it and you know what maybe these games sitting down is a good thing it was good to see you know Myers in the game I mean Hag didn't even at least last night didn't look out of place but I can't wait to get a refreshed revitalized ghost in there with the reset like all right let me just take it step by step and figure it out and he can start with just hitting the net on a shot that's all I need if he can just hit the net and he misses in next game I, I will be happy with that and we can grow from there and, yeah, he's got all the talent in the world, and I don't want to trade him. I mean, the return would have to be ridiculous, and that's not going to happen. But I'm not giving him away either. So this is he's also on a good deal, so there's no reason to even consider that route. I know a lot of people are. Um, I don't think that's what we do here. I think we wait it out. We can afford to, at least with his contract. And outside of something big coming along, I think he can work himself out of this and find himself – that offensive dynamite guy he was like 60 points is nothing to sniff at. You don't do that by accident, no matter who's with you. And especially back when those teams back then weren't really any good at all. Hackstall was a freaking coach. What does that tell you? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I don't want to say I see him turning a corner, but it, he definitely didn't whine and complain. Like I thought we were a little bit used to. So it was, I think what they're doing is the right move, and um, I'm really curious. I hope he plays tomorrow, and I hope we see something, just a little something then. All right, so having said that, I'll move on to the next quote here. Uh, 
goes to Bill. I'm sorry to the media. And Bill Meltzer has the quote here. Uh, I've never battled this much playing before. I've got to figure some things out mentally and find a way to be a good teammate. That's a big part. Stay positive and get back to it. I've got to work on myself. When you get taken out of the lineup, it's not for no reason. And keep in mind, if you're getting taken out of the lineup for a Robert Haig, who, you know, not the greatest defenseman to be replaced by, you're you're doing something. I mean, you you really need to take a seat and and maybe maybe it's watching the game and, and seeing certain things that you can't see while you're playing it. You know, you get to see the entire ice from the press box. Who knows? But he needed to, he needed to take take a seat for something, and and you know, hopefully it does some good for him. Tom, what do you make of that quote? When I first read that, I went all the way back to ghost as the first time I ever saw Goss's bear play was at union. Uh, when he was in college and the flyers had just drafted him. I had never seen him before, but I imagine that he was, he was still was this dynamic player heading into college. Otherwise he wouldn't have been a D one athlete. And going back to that, I've never battled this much playing before. I'm not saying things came easy to ghost, but he always kind of seemed to be at least I'm going to go to union because that's when I can really track his track him as a player at union. He was a dynamite player. He was got, he was a guy all eyes on him. I want to say he was a golden boy, but he was one of the premier players on the ice when he got to the flyers. Uh, he did pretty well in the fans. I can't really speak to how he looked on the fans. I assume he looked pretty, pretty darn good. Otherwise he wouldn't have been called up. He gets on the flyers within his first five games. He makes that beautiful move on the blue line where he takes the puck on his backhand, shakes a defender, and I forget if it was in Carolina. I forget if the goal was either a, a game-tying goal. Actually, it was a game-tying goal because then the Flyers won in overtime. I have no idea how I remember that. But, <laughs> I was uh, thinking the same thing, man. Shit, you got a good memory. That That's beside the point. And now the past like year, year and a half, Ghost has been struggling. And this may not be territory that he is used to being in. And segueing to finding a way to be a good teammate, maybe he's kind of trying to find a way of like, okay, I'm not playing to my standards right now. I'm not playing well. But I still have to put that aside, and I can't wallow in self-pity. I have to be there for my teammates, and I have to get better for the sake of not letting my team down. And that's how I was kind of reading into it. Maybe my interpretation is totally off on that, but that's how I read into ghost comments. No, I, w- I wouldn't say they're totally off at all. I, th- I think they're pretty on point. Jack, any, um, any thoughts on the quote? No, I agree with that. I, the only thing I would add is, is expectation with ghosts. Like he was a third round pick. So it's not like he was this high price or high pra- highly praised prospect coming out. Um, he got called up. He kind of took the league by storm before he got figured out. He had already made a place for himself. Now he's got his contract, and he's got he's supposed to be the guy with Drew and Jake to lead us to the next step. Ever since that expectation really got placed on him, you started to see the faults in his game. Like he's trying to do too much. He's trying to get better defensively. Now then his offensive game slips. Now he's trying to get things going back with that. Every time he shoots, it hits, it misses the net kind of stuff. Like. I think the expectations getting to him a bit that causes either anxiety or just poor play and poor decisions and just too much pressing. And then to be benched on top of that, you know, it's embarrassing. 
Like the guys up in the box are Chris Stewart and Robert Hag, for God's sake. Like it's it's to be pulled off with you got all these young kids. When he was a young kid, and as good as he was, he was benched because Hacksaw decided it'd be so. And to see all these young kids like Frost and Faraby and all these guys being called up and you know playing, and he's got to take a seat because his play is bad. It's embarrassing. So that with the expectation does not bold well at all. That's that's a lot. So maybe he's coming to the realization that he does need to reset and. He's never had to deal with anything like that before. You know, he was a, he was an unknown that turned into a he, when he got drafted, and he, he became this superstar like almost overnight. And it seemed that that first sparkle started to stop, you know, showing. And now he's it's coming back to reality. And it's like, well, okay, I got to figure something out here because I'm getting paid. I'm ex- there's a lot expected of me, and it's just not working right now. And some of the best players overcome this, and we'll see if he can. But I think he's got—he does have a lot in his head, and he does have a lot on his mind. I mean, it's the age of Twitter and all that. I'm sure he catches something. You know, he's no—he knows what's going on. And to be benched just—it just stings. So hopefully, he can reset and figure it out and be the guy we all know he can be. For sure, Tom. Did you have something you wanted to add there? No, we covered it all. So if I'm putting myself in Shane Goss's spare shoes here. And, you know, it's very easy for, for us to be critical. And, you know, part of being human is, you know, being critical and critiquing somebody else. It, it makes us feel good. So it's very easy to do is to be critical on somebody. And, you know, I've been very, very critical on Shane Goss's spare the last couple of years. And some of it's warranted. Some of it, maybe not. Um, you know, part of it's just me having fun, but, you know, I think if I'm putting myself in Shane Goss's spare shoes, you know, having never really uh, struggled in his career, you know, he came, he came into the NHL, had instant success, right? He has, what, what's he got? He's got like the rookie point record or something like that. Uh, and then the next year putting up 60, 65 points, it was all easy for him, right? And then, you know, the next year, he kind of struggles a little bit, you know, he's got a coach like Dave Hackstall, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to keep bringing those guys up. Um, you know, I'm expecting, you know, you, okay, you have a new coach. It's time to reset. It's time to do everything how this guy wants you to do it without even thinking about, okay, this guy, you know, he wants to do well. Like he's not going out there and making mistakes on purpose. He's trying to do well, right? We can assume that. So now I'm imagining, you know, he's got a new coach. He wants to impress three, three new coaches actually that he wants to impress. He's not performing up to his standards. That would take a toll on me mentally too. And I'm sure, I'm sure the coaches aren't giving him any, uh, any leeway or giving him any free passes. I'm sure they're busting his balls. You know, they come out in the meeting and, you know, they, they tell us one thing, but, uh, I'm sure in the locker room and out on the ice, they're getting dogged just as much as anybody else, you know? Um, you've heard AV say the, the higher paid guys have a little bit more money in the bank, but it sounds like he's also a little bit harder on those guys. So, you know, maybe mentally ghost needed a break, you know, maybe that's all it is. Cause I'll, I'll be honest. He hasn't looked terrible this year. He looks okay. You know, as far as, you know, being a defenseman, he's not performing to the offensive standard that I think where we've all come to expect which might not even be fair. I mean, how do you expect 60 points from a guy that's playing on a third line, third line pairing, uh, and is not even on the top power play unit anymore? I mean, it's tough. So I mean, maybe I'm giving him a little bit of a pass here, 
But uh, I'm just trying to be a little bit human because I, I feel like I've been a little bit unfair to Ghost in the past. Um, what I also wanted to bring up is I'm wondering if it's no coincidence that Jake Voracek and Shane Gossespierre have both come out almost at the same time and gave quotes uh, commenting on you know, their confidence and getting back to the player that they know that they can be and that they used to be, that kind of stuff. I, I can only wonder... If, uh, you know, somebody's now in their ear, you know, get back to who you are. You know, you're a good player. You're this, you're that. Um, do you guys have any anything you want to add to that? We could start with Tom first. Yeah, absolutely. You actually reminded me of, of a book I read over the summer. If you haven't read it yet, it's called The Russian Five. And it's about the five Russian players who came over to the Detroit Red, Red Wings in the 90s. And they created the dynasty. The rest is history. And I'm trying to remember who exactly said it. Uh, it doesn't matter right now. But that one of the players credited Scotty Bowman as a coach who knew how to push the right buttons with his players. And Bowman knew how to get the most out of his guys because he knew how to tap into them psychologically mm-hmm. so that they would find the player within them. And Bowman would just kind of help them get to that place. And it might have it was really when uh, when uh, it was after the Red Wings got swept in uh, the Stanley Cup after uh, after Jersey, they traded one of their top scoring defense, not defensemen. They scored. They traded one of their top scores for Igor Larionov, who was on the back nine of his career. Mm-hmm. And that ignited the team because Bowman knew that psychologically Larionov brought a lot to the team. And that and a lot of players say that's what put that team over over the edge and that's how they won their first cup is thanks to that trade. And I think Vino is and Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian are all kind of doing the same thing in trying to get into that psychological realm to the players of look, this is who you're capable of being. Get back to being that player. Stop worrying about some of the other stuff. Be Jake Voracek. Be Shane Gosses Bear. Stop worrying about stop worrying about the results. Worry about the process. If you worry about the process and do things correctly, the results will come. And I can't speak to Dave Haxtell and Scott Gordon and the coaches prior to uh, Elaine Vigneault coming in. But it seems like that's coming up a little more as a little more of the mental side of the game is being attended to than in the past. And maybe uh, maybe that is a fishbowl lens uh, for me. in saying that, maybe it has been brought up in the past, and I'm just never noticing it until now. But that's how I'm reading into that. I mean, in the past, we've heard things like, these guys got to sack up. So, I mean, <laughs> we haven't really heard – I mean, not to this extent anyway, where, you know, I think we can hear the coach coming through the players, if, if you know what I mean. Um, Jack, do you have anything you want to touch on there? you want to add anything? No, I I really agree with that. It was a good analogy, and uh, I think under the Hextall regime, you didn't have like you. I can't see him doing this for any of the players. You know, he was all about keeping everything out, hush hush, and just go do whatever. If we lose, there's always next year. This it's about tapping into that next, making him the player that we know he can be. And like you were saying, we were talking about Carter Hart and how it can be on you. Uh, how this league can eat you up and spit you out. Even if you've had success, you have to find a way to maintain that success. And when the team, the uh, league, quote unquote, figures you out, overcoming that as well. 
And I do think that the coaching staff is trying to get him to play with confidence and to play how he used to play. And when you see a player struggling, the easiest thing to do is go back to basics and do things right. And eventually things will go good for you. And I don't have as good as an analogy as Tom did with the Red Wings. But one thing I can think of is Brett Hall when he was with the Blues. He scored 40 goals and his coach told him he can do better. And he was like, what, seriously? <laughs> and, I, and he so he scored like 70-something goals next year, maybe even 80. Like, you know what I mean? Like You can tap into a player's mentality if you know how. I mean, I'm not, I'm not writing no books on this, but uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you can just open up a whole – they just understand the game in a different way or they just figure it out. We've always said that about prospects. they got to figure it out. Yeah. And it, it, part of that's coaching. And a lot got thrown at goes this year between all the crap that he's dealt with and all the crap from the Hacksaw, Hacksaw era, now having a new GM, three new head coaches, Tarion on defense who's, from what I heard, you know, not a nice guy. Like – he really ripped into P.K. Supan, and they had some serious issues. However, P.K. Supan won the Norse. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there are things to be said there. And I'm sure nothing works right away, especially when there's that much turnover from the from the guys you're taking orders from. So, yeah, I, I do think that this is definitely going to be interesting going forward. I, I don't know how – I don't know his mentality enough to how he's going to take this change. You know, I, I don't know enough about the guy yet, and I don't have high hopes from what I've seen so far, but he's also relatively young himself. I mean, 26 isn't exactly, you know, we call him a veteran. That's because we don't have any real veterans on defense anyway. I mean, Braun doesn't count, and we just got Niskin, and so those guys don't. <laughs> well, you know, the best way to untap someone's potential is to ask that person to make a list of the hardest and uh of the hardest working player on the team and the person <laughs> who doesn't work hard at all. And then read those names off in front of the players. I've heard it's a really great motivational tactic. Can you believe oh, yeah. that? Yeah. Sometimes I don't know how these guys get cups. Yeah. You know, these, I heard he's a great, uh, great coach, but an absolutely horrible human being. <laughs> Mike Babcock. Like, Dude, like, unbelievable. I can't imagine having to do some shit like that. that seems like something out of a movie. Uh, th that was Marner, right? How old was he when that? He was a rookie. He, he was 19 like... or something. Could and you I give, imagine? I give Nazem Kadri credit because from what I've heard of that story, Kadri just looked at Babcock and said, "What are you? What are you doing, man?" And like he went to Marner's defense immediately. Like, what are you trying to do here? Like, and he and Kadri wasn't the least bit upset at at Marner. He was upset at Babcock for doing that to him. As a freaking kid, man, like, could you imagine? Like, okay, writing the list is one thing. You you already feel like a piece of shit for for writing this freaking list, right? I would imagine. And then your coach, like you're a rookie with this team, 18, 19 year old kid, is gonna read the list out loud to your teammates? Are you kidding me, dude? I would be shitting my pants. I don't know if I could look at some of those guys, you know. And then I didn't know that about Kadri. That I mean, I always kind of. He's one of those guys where I love him and I also love to hate him, you know. So for him to for him to stick up for a teammate, especially a, a rookie like Marner, I think says a lot about him. Dude, there's all kinds of stuff coming out about these guys. Yeah. And I from think what I saw, a lot, a lot of veterans. From what I saw, a lot of veterans on that Toronto team like went to Marner's defense and like told Babcock, like, dude, what was that about? Like, from what I've seen on Twitter and and uh, some reporters were all saying, like, dude, like. A lot, like a lot of vets, stood up for Marner. They weren't mad at him. 
yeah, it's like, what are you trying to accomplish with that? Like, really? Like, okay, like the you, like he could have easily came out and said, hey, you guys suck. You got to pick it up. He didn't need to make a list and make a 19-year-old kid read it. Christ. I mean, from from the sounds of it, there's far worse stuff coming out about some of these other guys. Oh, it's God. Freaking crazy, man. It's awful. Yeah, I don't think it's – I feel like this is going to be a thing, like a long thing. There's going to be oh, a yeah. lot of guys what coming forward. What happened to Bill Peters? You forget it. Did you see that? I, I was reading about that last night with uh, Akeem Aliou. Yeah. You remember him? Nope. <laughs> wild stuff, man. Oof. Uh, all right, so let's kind of stay on track. We got how much time left here? We are on 52 minutes and counting, so we'll try to keep this to about an hour. I don't know. Do you guys even want to touch on JVR? I mean, the last two games he's played around nine minutes apiece, $7 million a year to play on your fourth line. Uh, is he going to figure it out, you think, Tom? What's going on with JVR? He's got to figure it out at, at some point because, I mean, like you said, you're getting paid $7 million a year and essentially to do one thing, and that's to put the puck in the net. And one thing that I saw earlier today, he's still going to be on the power play, so it seems like Vino is telling JVR, look, you got to show me something five on five. I'll give you a chance to get on the board on the power play, but you got to pick it up, man. And I give credit to Vino. This is one thing we never saw Dave Haxtell do is drop a veteran who wasn't producing in the lineup. And Vino has had no problem doing that. We've, we're seeing it with Gostas Bear. We saw it with Voracek when he got benched. And now we're seeing JVR drop to the fourth line. Like, if you're not producing, Vino does not care. He's going to drop you for the betterment of the team. So I applaud Vino for doing that. Absolutely. Jack, your thoughts on JVR? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I do think he'll eventually snap out of it. I think he's. Uh, this is what happens with goal scorers that really are only signed to do one thing. It's a little concerning considering how much we're paying him and how he was on the third line with Toronto, which was a pretty good third line, but also not playing against too much good competition. I'm glad he's still on the power play. Uh, I do think he's going to score in bunches. I think he'll have a goal. And then a game or maybe the next game or two games later, we'll have two goals and go on a run and then go disappear for a while again. That's just how that's just how it is. Uh, I, the reason I'm not concerned is he's in there. Uh, we're talking about the Flyers taking all these shots and having all these chances. JVR has had his fair share. It's not like he's not he's held to no shots or anything like that. And this is also while being on the fourth line too. Uh, I wouldn't say they're the most highly quality chances, but He's he's in there. He's doing what he can. If he was nowhere near the zone, that'd be a different story. It's tough because he gives you literally nothing else. <laughs> but you know he is getting shots, and it's and this goes with the rest of the team too. They're taking all these shots. Eventually, some of this shit's gonna get through. Like more than just these two one games, they're gonna start to score more. And I think JVR is gonna be a part of that. And I think Vigneault is smart in at least keeping him on the power play. I mean, remember, he kept Jake on the power play too, but he set him down in the lineup as well. He was on Jake was on the third line and all that, whatever. And he's starting to snap out of it. So I expect the same for JVR. I just I also wouldn't expect him to go back into a little bit of a rut because that's just what goal scorers do. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at some numbers here, and he's gone since November seventh. Since he last scored, uh, and during you know the games from 11-5 to 11-9, he had a goal and two assists. 
no points in any other games this month. And, you know, the Flyers' offense as a whole hasn't really been lighting it up offensively. Um, who knows? Maybe they turn the page. December's a brand-new month. Maybe JVR starts over. Um, I'm okay with them on the fourth line and, and, you know, putting him out there on the power play because he is supposed to be one of their better goal scorers. Uh, what I'm concerned, I think, with JVR is, you know, he's getting the shots, but I haven't seen too many quality JVR scoring chances. Like, he doesn't look like he really has it going offensively. So I'm assuming, you know, then same thing with Jake. You know, once he once he gets that first one or two, it's kind of like, oh, shit. So that's what it feels like to score again. Or that's how I got to do it. I forgot. Or, you know, whatever BS these these fluky, um, you know, streaky guys go through. Um, I think he's going to snap out of it. Uh, hopefully it's soon. Because they could be, they could be, uh, they could have won a couple more games. They absolutely need these guys to get going, and you know this might be unpopular, but I like JVR. I don't expect him to do any of that other stuff that guys are saying that uh, he's a one-trick pony, doesn't do anything else. I don't expect him to do any of that. I don't think he was brought in to do any of that. He was brought in to score goals. Now that's why it's so easy to get angry at him, because he's only scored four in 24 games this year. So I get it. Uh, I'm expecting him to come out of it. Uh, I like the way Vigneault is handling these situations with these with these vets who aren't exactly well putting the puck in the net at all. Uh, so yeah, that those are my thoughts on JVR. Uh, if you guys don't have anything else to add there, I was gonna you know start moving to the end of the show, talking about the schedule and some standings here. Anything else on JVR we want to add? <laughs> I mean, so, sometimes you just need a puck to go off your shin, and that opens the floodgates for you. I mean, you okay. you saw with Kevin Hayes that he kind of got a little, he just potted one in the empty net uh, again. So oh God, who was it? Um, was it against Carolina? And then he got one against the Flames like the next night. So yep. sometimes you just need a fluke goal. And traditionally, if memory serves me correct, I believe December is when this team kind of starts to to put the burners on. So we'll see if if history repeats itself and uh, and if Vino's system finally takes hold. So I'm looking forward at least to the next uh, to the next few games to see if this team really starts making that turn. And to your point there, uh, I'm looking at the schedule here uh, a little bit too far ahead. I'm not going to go game by game, but there's some there's some games that can be had. You know, the Flyers have had a pretty tough uh, month or two, the uh, the beginning of the schedule here. And they've they've kept their heads above water, I think. You know, they're uh, on paper, they're 12, 7, 5, you know, which is five games over 500. I look at it as 12 and 12 because, you know, 7 plus 5 is still 12 losses. But uh, you know, they're in a okay shape, uh, without having gone back and looked at past records. I think they're coming out of November still with three games left to play, obviously, um, at a better, in a better spot than they've been in the past. You know, I'm looking at the next three games here to, to round out November. They're at Columbus, a game that can be had. Uh, but also, you know, as we saw with Ottawa, it could be a trap game. You know, Columbus is not exactly, you know, beating up the league this year. Uh, but they're a, a big physical team that could give the Flyers problems. So that's the Flyers' next game tomorrow night at Columbus. Uh, they have Detroit on Black Friday. Again, another game where two points can be had. Uh, and then Montreal Saturday night. Of course, another Saturday game. It's a 3 p.m. game in Montreal. So I'm looking at, i got to be honest, and Jack, I, I usually mess around and say this team's going to go undefeated every week. I'm looking at six points right there, man. What do you think? Uh, I think that's not bad. I think another team will have two of those six points. But hey, <laughs> um, you know, I actually think Detroit's the trap game. 
to be honest with you. I think that they uh, they go away to Columbus. They already have a win against them, but they also the Columbus was winning that game going into the third. I think that and it's a division game, so they know they got to do something there. Uh, Detroit coming back at home. Detroit's a terrible team, like with Ottawa. They can't they can't look past this team onto the Saturday night game, and then they got to go to Montreal. A team that's going to be looking for the revenge factor because they beat Montreal, and this team, you're, this is, I really believe that Montreal is going to be a team we are neck and neck with when we're fighting for either a wild card spot. Hopefully, uh, we're a little bit higher in the standings than that. But if we're in the wild card spot, Montreal, I think is going to be right there with us. Uh, and it's also my birthday, so I hope we win that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy early birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, happy early birthday, Jack. How old are you going to be? Uh, 32. I was trying to think of a flyer who wore 32. I don't know. I can't think of any. Ron Chekmonic. Craig Dorothy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know what, Riley? Yeah, Riley Cote. I'm like, hold on. I'm I'm forgetting one. <laughs> oh, don't tell Riley. I forgot his number. <laughs> yeah, but just for Chekmonic, I'm going to I'm gonna yell at all my friends for my birthday. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> Tom, how do you see these guys going in the next couple games here? Six, three and zero, right? I would love six out of six points. I think if you come out of this stretch four out of six, five out of six, you can you can consider that a success. Uh, Flyers in Columbus always scares me because just traditionally that team has always struggled against the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Uh, I mean, hopefully history is not on not on the Blue Jacket side there, but Flyers come out. Of uh, out of Montreal with four of the six points or five of the six points, I'll be content with that. Absolutely. I mean, so, uh, three games that can be had. There should be some points available here. I'm hoping that they play, you know, up to their expectations and they don't, you know, throw out another stinker like they did against Ottawa last Friday. Jack, good point there. That that Friday night game could be another trap game against the Wings. Uh, fly uh, Red Wings are having trouble scoring goals uh, and they give up a shit ton. Uh, but the Flyers have had trouble scoring goals, so it should be interesting there. Um, Standings-wise, the Flyers have the sixth most points in the Eastern Conference right now. They're tied with uh, the Florida Panthers, but they have identical records, believe it or not, 12-7-5, 29 points. Um, right now, the Flyers sit fifth in the Metro. Uh, however, they're only two points out of third place and currently eight points out of first with a game in hand on the Capitals. So, I mean, we still have three more games left this month. Uh, Tom, are you okay with where the Flyers are in the standings? Are you happy with the first two months of the season, standings-wise? If I was just looking at the standings, yes, I would be happy with that. I, If you go to my Twitter profile right now, last May, back in May, I said this team's going to the Eastern Conference Final. Uh I think that this team has given away some games. Uh, looking past the standings, I think this team has given away some games and that there are W's that could have been had there. I'm also trying to give them a little bit of slack because they're still learning or in the midst of hopefully in the final stages of learning Alain Vigneault's system. So I've been trying to give them that leeway. But overall, if you look at the standings, six most points in the Eastern Conference, they're in a playoff spot right now. And the old adage of the NHL, uh, Thanksgiving is a very, very clear indicator. 
I would say 90 or 95 percent of the time. I forget the exact percentages. But more often than not, a, a team that is in a playoff position come Thanksgiving is often there at the end of the year. And if things stay the course, the Flyers are in a playoff position right now. And you just got to hope that their December and January history uh, continue to come back and they turn on the burners. And once uh, once December hits or hopefully, ideally, the game against the Blue Jackets is when everything starts uh, starts going and everything starts turning the Flyers way. Absolutely. I I would much rather they be where they are now than where they've been the last four years. Um, Jack, your your thoughts. Are you are you content? Are you happy with where the Flyers are in the standings after almost two full months of the season? I am, and that's because of what you just said. Uh, October has been okay for this team in the past, but November has been a shit show for this team. So the fact that they are in a playoff spot, and I did check the points by Thanksgiving, no matter what happens in Columbus, they will still be in a playoff spot. So uh, that's good. I can't say the last time that was true. Because they were always on these. Is this is right around the time they start their ten-game losing streak of the season, <laughs> and uh, they do have some winning streaks in them, but they always had their losing streak, and it was right around this time. So it's good to see that they had a better November. They have they're in a playoff spot, which I don't think they have been at this point in the year in the last four years. Um, so you got to take that, and it's also close. I mean, they could win on Wednesday. And leapfrog Carolina or be right there and then be like in third place instead of the last wild card. Like it's still tight. So uh, and that's saying a lot with Washington being one of the be- probably the best team in the league right now. Point wise, I think that's true. Uh, and yeah. And with um, the Islanders finally losing regulation after 18 games. They still with Ducks, man. Can you believe that? Oh, Gibson's good, man. Don't, don't, don't let him let me out. Uh, tell me about it. I had him on my friggin' bench last night, 46 points. Uh, he's sick. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, they're only five points out from them, and they, they did not give up a, any point. They got at least one point in the last 18 games, I think. That's insane. Yeah. And you're within striking distance of that team? Like, just a lot of positive you can bring out of this. You know, the only thing I don't like is this is the first year they're right up against the cap. And I was hoping that they would be higher in the standings than what they are. But it's still early, so I guess I'll still use that excuse and see what happens in their better months. Sure. Um, so let me just start off with saying that I am very up and down with this team. When when they're up, you know, when they're shutting out the New Jersey Devils 4 nothing, I'm like, holy shit, this team's going to be amazing. Uh, when they go out the next week and they lose three in a row or, you know, they lose three games they should have won, and I'm thinking of games like... You know, I thought they should have beat the Capitals. Um, I thought they should have beaten uh, the Senators, and I thought they should have beaten the Islanders the night they lost uh, the 3-0 lead in the third. Um, I'll, I'll get down with the team when that stuff happens. But I want everyone to know, I, I do understand that this is going to be a process. Uh, and, and overall, I'm okay with this team uh, where they are in the standings. And they are where they are without having fully put everything together. You know, they're they're benching guys like Shane Gossespierre uh, for two games, and, you know, they're switching uh, the lineup uh, nonstop up and down. They're without Nolan Patrick. They were without uh, a guy who I think is extremely important to this team, uh, Scott Lawton, for over two weeks, I believe. Um, so uh, this team, I think, is going to be scary throughout the course of this year. And, you know, like you guys brought up, December's been their month. I'm excited. 
I really am excited to see what's going to happen with this team when everything starts clicking because you know it's going to start. It's all going to click at some point, and I get excited for that. You know, uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen pretty much one line put the puck in the net so far this year. Um, uh, Ivan Provorov's got it going offensively and defensively. Look, he's looked okay. Um, Niskanen's been a nice surprise. Braun's kind of getting his shit together a little bit. He's eating up a lot of minutes, a lot of tough minutes. Carter Hart, we mentioned earlier in the show. In case everybody hasn't realized, I'm trying to end the show on a positive note here because there are <laughs> there are a lot of things to be excited about, and we're almost two months into a season. The Flyers are five games up over 500. Sixth place, tied for sixth in the East standings. Tommy brought up a great point. Usually if you're in the playoff race uh, by Thanksgiving, you'll be in it by you know the end of April or whatever. There's a lot to be excited about. So having said all that, I'm going to try to wrap this one up. Tom, you have, any, you have anything you want to plug before we wrap up here? No. Uh, I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter and follow the, the ramblings of a madman, uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Foti, T-O-M-F-O-T-I. Uh, other than that, I always enjoy talking hockey outside of podcasts as well. So if anyone wants to uh, start a conversation, feel free. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm always down to talk Flyers hockey or any kind of hockey. And I yep. uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Had a great time. Um, Jack, anything you want to add before we wrap up here? Since you want to end the show on a positive note, I will keep to myself. Jack underscore <laughs> HW Radio. Let's keep it going. All right, awesome. Uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up Thursday, guys. Uh, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to uh, Tom and Jack here. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving to anybody listening. Safe travels, everybody. Um, you can find me on Twitter at angry Jim HW. Let's talk some hockey and, uh, hopefully they get a, a couple wins this week. We'll be back next week talking more positives and we're going to wrap up. So talk to you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>